This is what makes men, men. We're men, right? Indeed we are, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. This is where Zachary Small is working to keep masculinity in men, in marriages, and in all fathers. The information shared here is meant to be applied. We're changing the world one man at a time. Now, let's get into the episode with Zach Small on the Family Alpha Podcast. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I am your host, Zachary Small. And as you heard in the intro, we are talking about keeping masculinity in men, in marriages, and in fatherhood. And today I am joined by a special guest who is working to do exactly that. And that is Jonathan Rios. Jonathan, welcome to the show. I'm pumped, Zach. Thanks for having me. That's going to be awesome. So for anybody that doesn't know, Jonathan is an athlete turned mental coach, a licensed psychotherapist who's committed to remaining undomesticated. He's an author of Primal Virtues, a husband, and a father. And doing all of that, I came across his work on IG, and it was just incredible how quickly I took to it. I was like, man, this guy's really putting out the content to the world that I'm trying to share with others. And, you know, we were talking prior to hitting record that I could say something a thousand times and you'd miss it. Just didn't work, didn't click. But he brings somebody else on who says it their way, and all of a sudden it makes perfect sense. And that's what I'm trying to do with all these conversations. So, Jonathan, again, welcome to the show. And is there anything I missed before we get started? <laughs> No, I'm flattered, man. Uh, thanks for saying all that. I, I'm happy to uh, to be here, man. I'm pretty easy, so I'm I'm ready for you to fire away, and I'll I'll give you my best shot. I love it. I love it. You know, those are the ones where you get bring guys on and say, "Hey, we're gonna freestyle this thing. We're just gonna start talking," and that's when you get the real authentic version because there's no script here. You have no idea what I'm gonna ask you, and I love that because it's hey, here's the real man. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure, right? No, but let's bring it. <laughs> So, I mean, let, let's start with the, the origin story of this. What brought you to the point where you're talking about primal virtues? You chose to be a psychotherapist. You know, I don't know how many men are in that field, but a lot of therapy from what I've understood is, is not a male-dominated arena. So what brings on a bearded dude to talk about being primal as well as being a therapist? Yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, you're right. I, I would say, like, in my graduate program, it was probably it, one man for every... 30 females. Uh, So, and it's the same, it's the same in in the mental health space and it's heavily female dominated. But that being said, um, I remember, I remember being in grad school, Uh, my background, by the way, I played division one soccer. I went to a military academy. I've always been in tribes of men and now I'm in grad school, which is female dominated. And I raise my hand, I go, Hey, so uh, I, I kind of suck at the empathy thing. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be a good clinician if that's not a strong point for me. And she says, well, all right, I want you to practice this. She says, I want you to start getting around people who are emotionally compromised and just sitting in the pocket. Don't try to fix them and don't escape. (laughs) So long and short of it is I thought it was a stupid answer, but I started practicing that. And I just found like if somebody was crying, see, I grew up with a mother who cried a lot and she wasn't depressed. She was just highly emotional and it would annoy me. So I would leave, I would like shut her down and I would leave the room because I just wasn't comfortable with other people's emotions. So uh, anyways, I started practicing this, just being around people who were angry, people who were sad, people who were anxious, depressed, and just not having to fix them and then not having to run away and just got more and more comfortable. So now I can be around 
all kinds of emotion and I don't have to escape. Right. But that, that's like a muscle you build. So mm -hmm. I think that the combo there, and then also noticing a lot of, a lot of the therapeutic modalities are very are lean too heavy into empathy and don't challenge enough. They don't confront dysfunction enough. And, you know, I, I naturally lean towards that. I'm, I'm Hispanic. My family's very confrontational. Uh, so that's not a, a weird thing for me. So I'd say that's kind of what I started. I started noticing um, the, the need for the, the resurrection of primal virtues such as courage and and honor and integrity uh, in men specifically. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you a minute ago, I, I've worked in the treatment industry for, for years and <clears throat> just started noticing um, a lot of the guys coming in were extremely effeminate, uh, extremely um, fragile, didn't know how to handle basic life issues, emotions, uh, didn't have a safe space for that. So that, that kind of inspired uh, the, the primal virtues deal, I'd say. You know, so I'm, again, admittedly, I don't know how it works in your industry, but I'm mm -hmm. assuming you, you work in a place where you have several colleagues. Do you guys exchange information on how you're treating people and, and kind of what you're paying more attention to? Yes. Um, well, now I'm in private practice, so I do have you know, one other person in the office, but in treatment, yeah, you, you sit at a in a clinical meeting every morning kind of at a round table and you just break down how, how clients are doing and you kind of brainstorm. So that's a very common um, practice to kind of put your heads together and produce the best kind of treatment. That's, that's how that works. Now, was there any pushback when you started sharing your, your focus more on, I'm not going to say tough love, but just being yeah. more direct and helping these men really be like, Hey, like the problem is you're focusing so much on your feelings that you're not taking any action. You're not going yeah. forward. And especially with the APA coming out with, you know, what was it, a few years ago, like uh -huh. de demonizing masculinity and the old ways of what it is to be a man. Did you have any pushback or any issues with that? Uh, no, because I had good rapport with everybody. And also nice. because the clients raved about my groups and not to toot my own horn, but they weren't getting it anywhere else. So mm -hmm. I'm like, look, guys, we're keeping it real. We're keeping it raw. Um, let's push hard. Let's push each other. You know, I'll say this, man, men. And I want your listeners to hear this. Men are happiest when they feel like they're making progress. When they don't see themselves making progress and they feel stagnant, that's depressing. That's disheartening. That's discouraging, right? It's maddening. It, it causes anger when you don't feel like you're progressing. Whatever the category is, whether that's with your marriage or your finances or your spirituality or whatever, it, it, you know, so when you get, when you, you know, you, you work with men, it's like, if you can get guys making some forward progress, right. They're going to be naturally a lot happier. So that's, you know, what's interesting is, is how hard it is for some men when they make that progress once, uh -huh. and maybe you've seen this, once they start making progress, then they see what they want it to be. And they start like, well, I'm not there. So that way the progress they make is never good enough. Uh -huh. You know, I had a discussion today, you know, one of the guys was saying, um, you know, my relationship is X, Y, and Z, and we're, we're going through, you know, A, B, and C, we're trying to work on all these things still. And I stopped him. I'm like, dude, do you realize how great that is compared to where you were? And here he is, he's not happy. And I was like, oh, you got to slow down. You got to turn and look as you're making this progress because these achievements 
are what's going to sustain you to continue going forward. Mm-hmm. And so you know, that little reframe, he's like, oh, I didn't even think about it like that. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's almost like a, the pendulum is swinging so far left and right. I have yeah. no achievements. I'm not satisfied with any of my achievements. And mm-hmm. so is there a way that you talk to these men? Because th- I think that's a, it's an issue that faces more than many will admit is I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm never satisfied. Even when you have exactly what you said you wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, with, you know, with addiction and treatment, but even at a, in a, in a larger, to a larger degree, um, progress can feel slow when you're in recovery, because although you may be sober and you're putting in hard work, other people don't necessarily see that, that, that work or the transformation that's happening internally. And it can get disheartening when, when they're not giving you applause or patting you on the back, although you know you're putting in the work. And it's the same, like you may be putting the work into your marriage or your finances and, and we're wanting the immediate. Dude, we are a microwave culture, bro. We want, like, we want immediate results. And I was going to save this for later, but there are no hacks, man. There's like, there's no shortcuts to maturity. You're not going to, there's no shortcut to a mature oak tree. It is a process. And if we could just stop buying the BS that we're seeing on YouTube about, bro, three steps to, to become <laughs> a multimillionaire in 30 days. It's like, no, it's like, dude, it, okay, we can make progress, but that doesn't mean we're going to be, get the outcome we want, you know, necessarily in 30 days, but we get, it's like, we get momentum. We get, yeah. we create new habits. Uh, so, you know, like, I, I think you got to start somewhere, but um, yeah, man, I, uh, all that stuff kind of annoys me hacks when I hear that, when I hear that, because people aren't a formula and change is a process. And I would, this is one, the one piece of advice I'd say, have, have your guys, if you're listening, <clears throat> set tasks for yourself <clears throat> that are stretch goals, but also achievable tasks. And then when you nail it, what, maybe it was the, the goal today was to get a good workout in. You nail it. You check that off the box and you actually out loud, you go, good job, bro. Nailed that one. And that's one, that's one thing you nailed. That's like a, a golden nugget in your confidence tank. Right. And it feels good. I, for years, I wouldn't congratulate myself about little stuff. Right. But what, what you do is you stack the little stuff, the little wins every day. Bro, and physiologically, this actually pumps testosterone and dopamine in the body. When you see yourself winning, go, guys, go look this up. It's called the winner effect in psychology. Dr. Ian Robertson popularized the theory, but when you see yourself winning, you get more dopamine, which is the pleasure chemical, and you get more testosterone. So just stack those little wins, make your bed. Good job, bro. That's a good, that's a little win. So that's how you start to zero in on the process over the outcome. I love that. You know, I call it the be process focused, not product focused. Grind your beans and make some coffee. Don't press the cure egg, you know, and then insert that with a million things going on. You're not going to pop a pill to get jacked. Enjoy the grind. But I also love what you're saying there about the, the winner effect. I didn't know I did this or it was a thing. But in this office by myself, just last night, I did it again. When I finished a live stream, you know, on Oak and Rock Fatherhood, which is a father-focused uh, channel I'm running with Anthony Migley Reno, I, I was fist bumped. I always fist bump myself when like I knock something out, like a goal, accomplishment, even a blog post. I'm like, yeah, and then I'll walk into my day. And I didn't realize that's my version of the pat in the back, you know, or the pat in the chest. 
that 100%. that is incredible. I didn't know that was a thing. I just thought it was a weird quirk I did. 100%, man. There's a quote by, it's actually just more of a motto mantra that the, the samurai used to use. It was, never speak an ill word about yourself because your inner warrior is listening and is lessened by them. Now, if there's an inner warrior inside of you and you're never congratulating him, you're never giving him a fist bump and you're constantly critiquing how he's not doing enough, you're, you're eating away at the inner warrior, right? So what if we flip it? What if we start to just notice the little wins and actually speak it out loud? I, and it's my, I don't fist bump, I, I chest bump <laughs> myself. So, um, what, you know, I just did a mile sprint a minute ago and like, okay, bro, knocked it out, good job. Uh, but there's other categories, man. It's like, all right, confronted that colleague who's been really toxic, good job. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, committed to pray and meditate and, and did it, good job right? Committed to, to send, make 10 sales calls, you know, today did it. Good job. You just break it down like that, man. Now I'm wondering as a profession, it's sort of your job to help people help themselves. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. 100. Do you find yourself, so you're a father with four daughters. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself having any issues with helping your wife or helping kids help themselves? Because that's something else I'm seeing with a lot of men is that they're always trying to fix everything. Instead of just listening, they try to fix it. And that's not always what they want. So how does your profession translate to how you parent or how you engage with your spouse? I, um, that's a good question. For me, man, like, I, you know, I, my wife and I have four biological daughters. We also, over time, had 13 teenage foster boys. Nice. So you learn a thing or two you know, by trial and error. Um, but I, I just learned like, A, people don't really care what you have to say until they know that you care and love them, which means you have to be somewhat of a safe space. You have to be a good listener. Uh, and, and then also we have a big core value in our home, which is courage, right? So um, I'm always constantly encouraging my kids towards courage, what, what it means to be brave and and so I, and I let them struggle. If they have attention, attention with a neighborhood kid, I, I let them, you know, if, if I need to step in, I will, but I let them figure it out. I coach them through it. And the goal is to teach my kids how to stand on their own two feet. So I, I would say the clinical practice really just helps me in my parenting because I learn from clients. I learn, wow, I really like that this person's doing that. And I, I'm never going to do that. You know, and I, mm -hmm. I just kind of bring that into the home and, and, and uh, yeah, man. So I'm a lifelong learner. I'm, I haven't arrived. And that's an excellent way to put it. You know, I try to explain that to a lot of men is that you can learn from anybody. You can, uh, I learn from the men I help as much as I learn from the men who educate me, my mentors. Right. And it's important that men, they put themselves in a position where they're open or they're receptive to receiving that input from others. Even if they're, they're quote unquote, less than if there's somebody that you're supposed to be teaching or you're objectively performing better and in whatever arena you can learn from everyone. So this is great to hear you taking that approach and also letting the family do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. Because if you're trying to fix everything and do everything, your, your children, your spouse, they'll never develop the muscles or the skill set to do that on their own. And at, mm -hmm. you can't be everywhere all the time. And so mm -hmm. they're going to have to be out in the world. They're going to have to grow up. We want kids who are functional adults, then let them act like an adult, let them handle their own problems. And mm -hmm. it's good to hear that from a therapist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> who literally this is your profession allowing your children to do that 
instead of trying to fix everything, even when you know, hey, if you do this, it'll solve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's a good question for your listeners to ask your kids or, you know, when they come to you with problems and, and they're looking for advice, you know, you, you say something like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? And get their little brains spinning. They got a problem solved. You're there to coach and help out, but push it back on them. Hey, so like, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to handle that? Because dude, guys, our primary objective as parents is to prepare our kids to face a harsh world. It's not to coddle them, right? Now, if my wife comes to me with a problem, a lot of times she's actually not looking for me to fix it. She's just looking for me to listen, to be a sounding board. And I think we kind of know that, but yet there's something inside of us that still wants to jump in and bring a solution. You know, most guys are pretty solution focused, uh, but we have to hold our tongue a bit and just go, all right, right now, I want to be the kind of guy that can be a good sounding board for my spouse or my partner. You know, that's exactly when I try to break it down for guys, I explain it to them in that, in that manner. You're, what did you say with your spouse? I'll talk to him. Like, like, how did that conversation go? And they would tell me, I'm like, it sounds like you're talking to me. Why are you talking to your wife the way you're speaking to a man? She, she operates differently. You know, her, her framework and the way she just goes to things is going to be different than you. You know, mm-hmm. she's a girl. Just wired a little bit differently. There's different physiologically. There's different things going on inside of her, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't even think about that." Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why we're talking, brother. That's why you need a male network. That's why you need men who can either have experienced this and can share it, or they're on the journey too and they can just swap notes. Like I haven't figured it out, but here's the direction I think we could go. I want to go back a second though. You had mentioned having courage, and that's mm-hmm. what brought me onto your account in the first place. I came across a video of yours. And you were speaking of Band of Brothers, uh, written by Stephen Ambrose. Great book. Great. Uh, C- I think it was HBO series that they had made. Awesome. Awesome story. Incredible story, honestly. But you were talking about courage and men's ability or men's man's need to give their all to something, to have so much belief in the thing they will go 100% in. And mm. that right there is a huge epidemic going on in men. We talk a lot about masculinity. We talk about lowering testosterone levels. We talk about a lot having to do with men. And I think mm-hmm. courage is in the, the like the nucleus. It's the mm-hmm. center of this. They're just so afraid and they don't have the courage to overcome that fear to mm-hmm. actually commit to whatever it is they're dealing with in life. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to hear your approach to how you work with not just breaking courage down for people, but how they can start to live a little more courageously in their life. Mm. Yeah, man, I love I love that topic. I, I, I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps. You just talking about that. There's the. There's a screenwriter. His name's Randall Wallace. He wrote Braveheart. He wrote We Were Soldiers. He wrote uh, Man in the Iron Mask. Very popular screenwriter. I, I heard him in an interview. They said, Randall, why do you always write war movies? And he said, I don't write war movies. I write love stories because I'm always asking the question, what is a man willing to what is a man love so much that he's willing to die for? Right. That. When you love something, a cause or someone more than you love yourself, courage will begin to erupt from within you because you've, you, because you've detached from the self-preservation mindset, mm-hmm. right? The self-preservation mindset is consumed with me. It's the me monster. Like, is this going to make me look bad? Am I going to look incompetent? Am I going to look like a failure? Am I going to sound stupid? And it's so focused on, it's so internally, it's like navel gazing. 
the self-preservation mindset. Now, some of this biologically is hardwired, right? So we're kind of fighting up against biology here when we start to go, I'm willing to lay down my life for somebody else. No, but, but what I want to do for the guys is I want to define very clearly, very simply what courage is, okay? Courage is the ability to take action and to stay on mission in spite of fear, in spite of danger, in spite of difficulty. The flip side of that coin is cowardice. Cowardice is to be excessively afraid. It's to be spineless. Like think of a spaghetti spine, all right? Mm -hmm. And when you're spineless, it results in the abdication of duty and responsibility. You set aside your duties because you're too excessively afraid. You're so spineless, you don't stand up when you need to stand up, right? So how I go about encouraging courage is, A, I try to live it, right? Because you can only pass on what you carry. But, you know, I, I help people understand courage is knowing what not to fear. Okay, there are some things worth fearing. You should, guys, you should be afraid of living a small life, right? And never meeting your potential. That should terrify you. <laughs> you should be afraid of never cultivating your skills and your abilities and pursuing your dreams. That should terrify you. You should, you should be afraid of not standing up when you need to stand up of not having the, the testicular fortitude to stand up when you need to because you are gripped and paralyzed by the fear of criticism. That should, that should keep you up at night, right? Um, it, it, reminds me, it reminds me, Zach, of this really beautiful story. There's this book called uh, Tortured for Christ. It's by a, a, a dead, a deceased Lutheran minister in uh, Romania. And the communists came in and uh, they, they kind of took over the territory. And one day he and his wife were sitting in like a communist lecture. He's a pastor. And the communists are using the local pastors and pumping their propaganda through the, the local pastorate. Well, they're sitting in on this lecture and his wife, his wife nudges him and she says, you need to stand up and say something. And, and he says, he looks at him, he says, if I stand up and say something, you're going to lose your husband. And she looks him dead in the face and she says, I do not wish to have a coward for a husband. Damn. If that doesn't mess you up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Right? They're, your women want you to be courageous. You, as a man, it's a, a natural desire. We want to be courageous. But a lot of times we're, we're not, we're looking at that. We're zeroed in on the the scary metaphoric dragon rather than being afraid of living a small life or, or dying with regret. Okay, so that's, that's where I would start. And I have some real practicalities, but I wanted to give you a moment to chime in if you had any thoughts. No, that's incredible. And honestly, I'm tracking with everything you're saying. You know, one of the things that I'm constantly trying to stress is that if your goals don't scare the shit out of you, mm -hmm. you've not gone all the way in on them. But I think about the things that I, I have planned, things I'm trying to do, the things I've done. I'm just like, my man, <laughs> like, how am I going to do this? But it's, it's that important to me that I do it, you know, be, be running a podcast focused on family. You know, what's interesting is I see a lot of courage being needed in a lot of areas you wouldn't think you needed courage. Mm. So I'm, I'm almost 600 days sober. Mm. I shared my sobriety. I shared my journey, my struggle with alcohol publicly. And now this is my, this is what I do for a living. 
This is my brand. This is my livelihood. And I was like, man, I've got to admit to all these people that I'm, I'm an addict. I'm struggling with alcohol. It just, for whatever reason, it just hooks in me. And so I, I publicly was like, guys, I, it's, I'm burning out. I didn't get a DUI. There was no domestic abuse. No, nothing legally happened, but I recognized it was an issue. And to do that publicly, I remember I was a little, there was a little reservation. I was like, man, this is, this is going to suck. I'm going to catch some pushback. I'm going to catch some stuff, maybe, but maybe I'll help some people. And so I went out there. That's just a small example. I wasn't getting shot at. I wasn't running across no man's land to save a, a, a brother in arms. You know, I was literally putting a tweet out there saying, hey, guys, just so you know, here's what I'm doing and here's why. And I remember that hesitancy. And I thought to myself, that's exactly why I need to do this. That, that little hurdle right there, I have to do this because if I can't overcome this, that's going to bleed into the next thing and to the next thing. And so we say success begets success. Momentum begets momentum. Doing one thing right, you knock that domino, it's easy to do the next thing right. It works in reverse as well. Mm-hmm. If you perform cowardly here, that'll bleed. Oh, well, I don't have to do that. I don't have to own this. And before you know it, you landslid all the way back to maybe where you even started. You know, and it's unfortunate how many that resistance stops them. But I would love to hear your, your applicable, you know, advice, tips, tricks, you know, however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Because I honestly think this is, and again, as I said, this is what drew me into you. But this is an incredibly important aspect to helping men become men again. And which will help better husbands, better fathers. You know, the cornerstone of society will continue to strengthen and stand against, you know, maybe some measures that are coming down that aren't best for the family. Mm-hmm. 100%, man. Well, first thing, bro, I would tell people, courage is like a virus, all right? It's highly contagious. So if you get around, if you rub shoulders with some courageous people, it will get on you. You will be, it will do something. It will inspire you. Uh, Just even watching courageous documentaries, um, reading biographies, autobiographies that are full of courage when you're hearing these testimonies, right? Envisioning yourself living it out. Man, even as a, a, when I was 26, bro, I watched a documentary called Invisible Children. And it it, it chronicles the child, um, child soldiers in Northern Uganda. Sudan. And it, it like, it messed me up, man. I was like, I'm going to, I got to go see that. And I, I determined in that moment, I'm like, I'm going to, Af- I'm going to Africa. I'm going to go backpack Africa. I'm going to go see that and learn from those guys and like interview those kids. And, and so I got my roommates in on it. And six months later, we're in Northern Uganda meeting these child soldiers and talking to these film, the film crew that were there. And man, it like their courage and the, the story that they were putting out inspired me you know, and I act, I took action on that, right? Because it, it, it does something to the heart, man. It's really like an internal, it's hard to even, it's really hard to articulate. But so that's one, get around courageous people, okay? Listen to courageous testimonies. Another one, man, um, learn from your cowardice. <laughs> we don't like to admit that we've been cowardly in the past. Like, it's actually a blind spot. It's actually hard for us to see we get so used to living in fear, bro, so used to walking as cowards that it becomes the normal. And then that's our your neighbors, default. That's your default position when, when conflict arises. Dude, we don't even it's like it's just normalized. Yeah. Right. It's, it's conformity. A lot of the a lot of the modern conformity that we see is actually a, a lot of cowardice. But we don't we don't categorize it like that. Um <laughs> I could go into that, but I'll give you a personal testimony about like something that messed me up and I'm going to rush through the details. But in college, I, 
uh, was playing division one. I, I was uh, all conference at full ride to play ball. And, and, um, but yet my, our coach, our head coach, um, I didn't like him. And, uh, and his, his strategy, his, uh, his coaching abilities were, I would, you know, I felt in the moment that they weren't up to par and it was hurting our performance. So I banded, I got the whole team together and we signed petitions to have our coach fired. I took it proudly to the athletic director and I said, we want a new coach. And I left it with them thinking, all right, we're going to get what we want. And the next day I get called in and they suspend me <laughs> and, they, and they suspend six other dudes. I lose my scholarship. Um, I lose my captaincy position and the team goes to play in a tournament in France without me. And, and yet, because the seven starters got taken off the team, they reinstituted everything. But by then the damage had been done. And I learned, and, and that ruined, basically ruined my senior year. Um, and what I learned from it is I, I didn't go to the man directly and confront him and deal with the issues. I took the cowardly route. I went around his back and, and I, it was just immaturity, man, but it was cowardice. And, and now I'm deeply gripped by, I learned from that. I will never go around a man's back. I will come to him directly and deal and, and, you know, pitch my complaint or whatever it is. And so learn from your cowardice. Like if you were cowardly with a woman in the past, learn from it, look at it. Right. Um, look at, look at how you were cowardly in business. Look at how you got invitations to, to step up your game and, to go on a podcast and you didn't do it because you gave in to your fears learn from those man right i see you smiling <laughs> no that's incredible i'm just thinking about all these guys you know like oh i failed here i failed there and i'm like man if, if we could get them to immediately recognize that like i did fail but i'm not going to make that mistake again i might make another mistake but i'm just thinking about that and honestly when you were telling the story i thought you were going to bring the petition to the coach and so when you said you went to the athletic director i was like oh okay you know what I'm seeing it, but I understand, you know, and to even share that there are a lot of people that try to hide their mistakes. And I think you got to bring them. You cannot live an authentic life. If you have a closet full of skeletons, you're trying to hide. You have to keep up with the lies. You have to keep up with hiding the things that you did wrong. And my tactic is, is I don't know if you've seen the movie eight mile with Eminem in it, but in the last rap battle, he shares all the things wrong with them and then throws the mic to the other dude. He's like, now tell them something they don't already know. That's how I run my, my blog. That's how I run my brand. I put it out there. I'm like this. I am Zach features and flaws. And I'm looking to make more features than flaws. I'm looking right. to address the things I'm not good at and improve upon them. You know, but yes. you, you said something about cowardice, you know, and conformity. And I'd love to hear your views on that and how that's playing out and what we see going on today. All right. I guess we're going to go there. Let's do it in the deep end. <laughs> um. Well, look, man, I think a lot of men aren't in touch with their core values. So it's like a, it's for them, it's like a vague thing, but they've never articulated them. And so they're not living according to a standard. Every man must live according to a creed and a standard. If you do not, you're just fickle. You just float with, you just float with the tide. You just go with the modern current, right? Um, and, you know, so like we no longer, we live in a day and time where, Honor isn't honored anymore. Courage is kind of 
a forgotten virtue. Uh, what is what is celebrated now is woe is me. My life is hard. Somebody praise me. And if you don't, you're you're the problem. If you don't praise me in my in my pain and how I identify. So I mean, I just I think the sexual brokenness we see a lot of we see a lot of people crying victim and and it is there are victims in life uh but the truth is we've all been victimized and we've all been victimizers i mean I, we've all victimized people and we've all been victims and so there's no there's no there's no like mo- virtue there's no moral high ground here okay mm-hmm. um but I, where I see people conforming, man, I think people blindly conform to mask wearing. I think people blindly conform to governmental overreach. And they just, it's just so normal, right? It, my neighbor's doing it. Like my, my, a, a leader that I like is doing it. And we don't think through why we're doing it. And we don't check in with our core values. And we don't go like, is this, am I being courageous right now? Let me go back to the definition of courage, just so we're fresh. Courage is the ability to take action and stay on mission, even in the face of fear and danger. So I think a lot of people are frozen and they justify it. They're frozen in fear and they justify it by calling it science or they call it wisdom. Really, if you just, if you kind of peeled back the curtains, would you see cowardice there? Are you living courageously? Are you moving forward? A lot of people stopped moving forward two years ago when COVID hit. They just stopped mm-hmm. progressing. It's like, not me, dude. No way. I'm not letting anything. If <laughs> adversity is going to come, guys, it's going to come. How are you going to handle it? Well, you're going to ha- you're gonna have to step up your game, step up your courage, start using your courage muscles more. And, you know, I don't, I'm not advocating recklessness. There's such a thing as calculated courage. You've thought through the potentials, you have uh, reviewed the dangers and you assess them and you go, I'm still moving forward. I have one life to live. This is one unrepeatable life. And And I gotta go down swinging, man. I gotta live fully. And a lot of people are just gripped and paralyzed and they just normalize it, man. Um, and this is not to pick on anybody. I'm just saying like, we're all human, man. I've dealt with cowardice in my own life. So let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's something to be said there. You say you're not picking on anybody. I, I disagree, but I, I think we should do so in a healthy manner. People think, oh, you know, you're targeting me. You're talking, look, I'm objectively looking at this, you know, and it's not the way you're speaking. This is, these are just the facts we would not be in the situation we're in, you know, obviously we're in America, but I mean, across the globe, we would not Mm -hmm. be in the position that many countries are in. If people said, no, I will not be doing this. You are an elected official. You are not the authority. I have autonomy over me. Mm -hmm. If everyone had done that, this wouldn't have happened. This would Mm -hmm. not have played out. But when we have things like influencers and we have people who tell you who you should be, they tell you what a good person is. I don't think that men aren't following their morals and values. I don't think they have them. Mm. I don't think they've ever thought about it. I don't think they parent intentionally. I don't think they love intentionally. I don't think they live intentionally. And that's why I enjoy conversations like this, because hopefully this is the seed. Mm -hmm. This plants the idea like, you know what? What do you stand for? I've Mm -hmm. shared many times. My cornerstone is family. That -hmm. is the cornerstone of every decision I've ever made. You know, well, since having a family, you know, it's what, what 
does this support my mission to be the best husband and father I can be and the best man I can be for all those in my community and those just around my, my sphere of influence, if you will. Absolutely. And so when I hear you say, you know, well, I'm not picking, I think we should, I think we should say, Hey man, you're not living up to this. You know, I mean, there's no standard that you're even trying to follow. You're in the victim Olympics and going for gold and you don't even know why you don't want to do the things you're doing yet. You do them because mm -hmm. you have no compass. It's whatever the breeze says, go that way. You're going to go that way. And if that's wear six masks, okay. Nine vaccinations. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. give your kids to the government for them to raise. Okay. Why? Mm -hmm. When we, when we objectively look at this, we can say this is wrong, but everybody says, well, this is popular and therefore it's right. You know, it's interesting, Zach. It makes me think about like a lot of people's core, they, whether or not they realize that a lot of people live, their core value is safety and security. As so that long goes as back I'm to your self-preservation. It's the self-preservation mindset. As long as I'm safe and secure, then my life will have meaning. <clears throat> Not true. In order to have meaning in life, you have to take calculated risk. The scariest thing I ever did was get married. Scariest hands down thing I ever did is get married. But it's calculated risks. There's all the beautiful stuff is on the other side of fear. So if you're, if you're self-preservate, if you're ruled by self-preservation, um, you're going to miss out on the beauties of life. You're going courage, by the way, it, it is a mindset, but dude, it's something you feel that erupts from within you. It's like a wildfire and you need to feed that puppy gasoline every day of your life. You were never going back to the cowardly lifestyle, never returning. But it, you got to, you got to make up your mind, man. I'm living as a man of integrity. I'm living as a man of virtue. I'm living as a man of courage. I'm living as a man that refuses to be domesticated and ruled by, by tyranny. <laughs> I make my own decisions. I, I'm living, I have one life. That's it. I'm going to make it count. And you have to start to really swallow that, embrace that, get that in your bones. So when we're talking about, well, where do you get those buoys? You know, this is my left. This is my right. I stay between them. Port side, starboard side. We, we stay down the middle. We stay in our lane because we know where we're trying to go. You know, is that something that's covered in primal virtues? You know, yes. how do you help people find that? How, how do you help people find their vert, their core values? Correct. Yeah. Well, I actually have a, like a, I wrote up about 60 different core values and I give those to my clients, but I mean, just some of the ones we're talking about now would be a great starting point. Yep. Uh, integrity. Uh, it, it, dude, what's, you talk to most men, you go, if you get, I was talking to a client yesterday. And he's like, he's trying to figure out some of his core values. And he's like, one of the things I'm with my girl right now, he's dating someone. He's like, I'm with this girl, but like, I know I'm attracted to other women. And I'm like, okay, I, okay, I hear you. Uh, but if we peeled back the curtain and we looked inside of you, what do you really want as a man? What do you really want to be? You want to be a man of honor. You want to be a man that's dependable, that people know they can depend on. You want to be a man of his word. When he says he's going to do it, he does it. You want to be a man of integrity that that gets it done behind closed doors and doesn't necessarily uh, need applause and doesn't break by criticism. And so we just started kind of and I'm, he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I that's exactly what I want. You know, and I'm like, that's already inside of you. But sometimes we just got to get in touch with it, articulate it. And the way it played out for him is he was thinking, well, I'm attracted to other women. Therefore, that must mean that I don't want my girlfriend. I'm like, no, that just means you notice beauty. That's there's 
don't go deeper than that. It's like, okay, she's, you just notice beautiful people, but what you really want is to be a loyal man and you want to be honorable and integrous towards your girl because you really love her. And he's like, yeah, you're right. So he was getting thrown off a bit by the temptations mm-hmm. and, and thinking those were somehow a sign. And I'm like, no, they're, they're just temptations, right? So uh, I think sometimes talking it out with somebody else going, man, am, is, is honor, what does that mean to me? And is that something I want to embody? Family, you know, like f- self-sacrifice, right? Uh, but I can, I can always send you that PDF with those, uh, the clearly listed core values. And then you just go through those and go, added, what are my top 10 in, in this list? And then you start to go about how do I start to manifest this in my day-to-day grind? You know, you mentioned talking it out with someone else. How many of the men that you're going through or that, that come to you for help and seeking guidance, how many of them have a strong male network? Uh, 1%. <laughs> I thought so. I was hoping you're going to say like five or something, but <laughs> so no, do, you, do you view that to be a part of the issue we're seeing? Men don't have men to connect with. You know, we were talking about a group that, that you have, you know, I've got the group. There are several online groups. There are a lot of in-person groups out there, a lot of clubs, a lot of things that are just for men to connect with men. Mm-hmm. Yet still, with all those resources there, most men are on, especially after marriage, are on an island. Mm-hmm. They, they're just them. They, they shut down the connection to their brothers because I'm a husband now. I can't go out and do these things. I'm a dad now. I don't have time to connect with you guys. And they forget. Mm-hmm. I call it the pyramid of masculinity. The base is, is being a man. And then on top mm-hmm. of that one, a little bit smaller, that's being a lover. That's your connection with your, your spouse or women. And that's based upon the foundation you built as a man. And then above that is fatherhood. That's mm-hmm. raising another life. And that requires you to be the best man and lover so you can show your children how men engage with the world, how men engage with the opposite sex, how men are meant to be by embodying those values, not just espousing them. Mm-hmm. So what role do you think that's playing in the issues these men are having? A lack of connection. Yeah, well, think of it this way. Um, masculinity is the only thing that can bestow masculinity. I like right? that. You can't, I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal that one. That's a good line. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about it, like the uh, the the female can't bestow masculinity. So if you're not around masculine men, where are you getting? Where are you going to get your? Where are you going to learn? what it's like to be a man of virtue, to be a man of honor, to be a man of courage. Are we going to learn it from movies? Um, I mean, those will only take you so far. You can only go so far in books and movies and social media. Yeah. Like uh, there's a, you know, there's a saying in jujitsu. If you want to be a lion, you got to train with lions. That's right. Absolutely true. <clears throat> so I think this is my, my personal view. A lot of men like they, they start to work and they start to get money in the bank and, and then they achieve some nominal success and, um, and that success validates them where they're, it's like, well, I've got cash in hand. I've got a house. I've got a nice car. Maybe got some property. Like um, I'm doing okay. And the I'm doing okay uh, can, can be deceiving, right? It's like, okay, that's one sphere of life but are you approachable? Are you learning? Are you still growing? Can other men say what they think to you? Other men should have the right, the ability to come to you and go, hey, bro, I see a blind spot in your life. Hey, bro, I want to build you up. Let me encourage you. If you don't have that, 
um, then oftentimes you go to females for validation or you go to the gym and pump some iron and that, that's how you get your validation. But it, 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 you're, you're still weakened as a man if you're not part of a tribe of men. And honestly, man, I'm, I'm, I have lone ranger tendencies. You know, because I can I can get stuff done. Like I'm pretty self-motivated. I'm pretty disciplined. Yep. Like I don't need a guy to be like, hey, bro, you working out? Like, dude, I, I worked out six times this week. You know, like I don't need that, but I do. <laughs> yeah, I do need other men to go, hey man, like let's check in, man. Like what's 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 new in your life and what what are you battling right now? You know, and and to be fair, that's not always easy to find, but I'll tell you one thing, it doesn't happen by accident. You got to go seek it out. Don't just be whining to me about, well, I don't have It's like, what are you doing to seek it out? There's other dudes that want to be in a tribe. Maybe you need to start one. I, that's what I had to do here. And I live in South Florida. There, there, nobody, there, nobody was doing the tribal men's thing. So I'm like, well, hey, man, I'm just going to start something because there's a lot of lions here that need other lions. Our country need us, needs us right now, man. It really does. The time to build your ark is before the storm, not after. You know, so I would just say, if you don't have one, start getting intentional. Join, join Zach's fraternity, join mine, join, start something local, but you got to start. I mean, my, my life motto, the motto of my, my blog, the family alpha is acting on verbo, which is deeds, not words. Go do it. You, you want a better future. You love your kids more than anything. You do anything for your family. Show me. Don't tell me that. It's easy to die for somebody. I take a bullet for my kids. Yeah, but would you live for them? Because that's the question I want an answer to. And to your point, you know, altruism has been made out to be this profit. If you do everything for the benefit of everybody else, you know, just, just make them feel good. Get, sacrifice yourself. Self-sacrifice will bring you happiness. And that is a lie. That is not true. I think men should be much more selfish. I think men should be much more selective with people. You know, they call a lot of other men friends. Yet, what do you do with those friends? Nothing. You watch football games together. Do they answer the phone if you had to call in the middle of the night? Or would you not even call them because you're like, I don't want to bother them? Well, then why are they a friend? Why are you giving that title to somebody who's undeserving? Mm -hmm. That's something that it's a part of a, a bigger issue going on. But we just give these things away because, oh, I know your name. It's cool. I, I'm enjoying talking to you. But until you and I sit down and we put some reps in together, that's when you hit that status. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that's earned, that's vetted. You keep your inner circle very tight because mm -hmm. those are the men, you know, we, we kind of had this running joke. So it's a fraternity of excellence, which is FE, which is the uh, chemical symbol for uh, iron. And we're always talking about iron sharpens iron. You need men to sharpen you and you can't sharpen yourself against somebody who's soft. You'll mm -hmm. cut through them. You'll never get yourself sharper. And eventually you'll dull yourself to their level. But if you have a man who has a standard as well, I don't want to be the weakest link in my group. Those men don't want to be the weakest link. So we're all continuing to improve. And it doesn't matter if you're 300 pounds in a crap marriage and, you know, you have a poor relationship with your children. If you're working on that, you're somebody that I would work with because you're, you're we all start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so you can find this in many men, but you start working together. You know, you're talking about in South Florida, getting some lions together. You might have a dude who comes in and he's a pudgy sheep, but he wants to be a lion. And he mm -hmm. sees what you guys have and he sees how it works. He's like, if I start living authentically and just grinding and holding myself to the standard these men hold, I will become one of them. Mm -hmm. And now you're running with lions. 
And it's just, it's that easy. And any man could turn it around. But I think what prevents many men from taking action is uh, fear, obviously. We discussed that with courage. But right. also, I think there is this crippling fear and anxiety and just panic that goes on inside men. And I was going through your work and I saw, you know, you, you developed a course on this. You, you attacked this directly. You know, and I, you had shared a story about a buddy of yours when you were playing soccer, uh, Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I heard that, I was like, man, and like I was telling you, you, what happened is totally different than how I thought it happened. But mm-hmm. still, the fact remains, you had a man you could go to, you could be open with. How many men are so anxious about doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing that they don't take any action? And therefore, they walk around like a, a twisted up spring that's about to erupt. So much mm-hmm. pressure inside that if you just pop it a little, they crumble. Mm. Yeah, man. You know, well, that's one of the things about anxiety and fear, man. It's, it's, it's crippling. It's paralyzing. It, it gets to a point where it's so overwhelming. You don't know what the first step is, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've all dealt. I mean, to, to be human is to deal with anxiety on some level. And some anxiety is good, right? Like if you have a big, if you're taking your SAT in a week, you should have some level of uh, anticipatory anxiety, letting you know to prepare and get ready, right? Um, biologically, I was on a safari in Africa one time. I got out of the safari vehicle to, t- to take a leak. And instantly my body goes into almost a fight or flight state without my permission. Cause it knows, dude, you can be eaten here. Right. <laughs> right. So it's like, I got it done real quick and got back in. But, um, so we're fighting against biology and at, at a subconscious level, but, um, let me, let me do this. I'll, I'll just give a brief definition of what anxiety is. And then we'll go from there. But so there's basically two components to anxiety. Anxiety is excessive apprehension and worry. It's excessive. It's not, it's beyond the normal sense. Okay. But it's two-sided. It's both psychological. So there's worrisome thoughts. And then there's uh, the physiological piece. There's symptoms that follow those thoughts. Those symptoms vary from person to person. They might be tightness in the chest, shallow breathing, restlessness in the appendages, muscle tension, headaches, nausea, diarrhea, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Some people might pick, they pick at their skin. And so again, excessive foreboding and worry. And, and, and a lot of people, a lot of people really suffer in silence because they really don't it's kind of become their normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, it, and then like, there's usually the ball drops and they can't get to work uh, or a panic. They start having panic attacks and then they're embarrassed to tell somebody. So you can see how this is nasty cycle yep. of just hiddenness and suffering. And now five years goes by and you're finally seeking help because your blood pressure is through the roof and you lost your job. That's not always everybody. For some people, it's just avoidance. They just are no longer avoid, they avoid crowds. They no longer go to church. They no longer go to uh, the networking gig. The anxiety has now taken root and they're stuck on the treadmill. Okay. So I'm, what I want you guys to hear are the like three common sources of stress and what uh, stress and anxiety and what we could start to do about it. Like on a, on a functional practical level. Um, I thought about this stress for a lot of, a lot of men Stress can be defined as when the demands on your life exceed your capacity. Okay, so you've got all needing you, 
you got email after email and your boss needs this and your wife needs this and your kids need this and your friends need that. And it's just overwhelming and it outweighs our capacity to handle it. And we feel inner turmoil and stress and anxiety. And the problem with a lot of men, hear me guys, the problem with a lot of men is they say yes to too much. If you say yes to bench pressing 500 pounds when you can only bench 200, you're screwing yourself. And you can't blame anybody else, right? Because the world wants, the world will come at you and ask you for help. And you've got to know what your yeses are and what your noes are. So a lot of men need to cultivate their no muscles in order to help alleviate the stress and the sense of feeling overwhelmed. So this, practically speaking, uh, one of the ways you might do this is when you get home from work, say you work your classic nine to five, uh, you, sh- you put your phone on airplane mode when you walk in the door for an hour. Mm-hmm. You're basically saying, I'm saying no to work emails and, and productivity. And I'm saying yes to my wife and my kids. Yep. Um, you might say no to, this is how I say no to social media. Um, I actually post and then I delete the app immediately. <laughs> and then I don't, and then when I have to go check it, I'll upload the app. It's a barrier for me. Yep. It helps me regulate the internal anxiety that I feel when I'm in that world. Okay. Um, some people say yes to their people pleasers. Like if you, especially if you own a truck, people are always going to come ask you. <laughs> it's a thing. And, That's a real thing. <laughs> can you help me move this Saturday? And if you're a yes man, if you're always just, you're very, you're empathetic and you want to help people and you say yes too much. Well, what are you saying no to? Maybe that was the only day you had off. And that was the only time you could take the kids out to get ice cream. But you said yes to your buddy. That stuff right there, that heaps, that's, that's outweighing your capacity. That heaps stress on, onto the system. That's going to provoke anxiety. Another big one, a lot of men, they drink. They drink to suffocate the anxiety. And it works in the moment. Because it's an alcohol is a nervous system depressant. But what happens is when it when it when it gets absorbed in the body the next day, oftentimes what you'll see is a spike in anxiety. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I notice that in myself. I'm, I'm not much of a drinker, but when I do drink, if I, especially if I drink whiskey, the next day I'll I'll feel anxious all day. So some of this is biological. So you have to regulate, learn your body, regulate. Like some of you guys are doing the cannabis thing and the the, the alcohol thing, not realizing that is throwing gasoline on the fire of your anxiety. And you need to wake up to that. It's okay. interesting you said fire. The way I try to explain that to people is when you're turning to the drugs or the booze, you're pulling the batteries out of your smoke detector. All right, you numbed it, but that fire is still burning in your home, in your head, in your soul. It's still burning. And now it's doing more damage. And the next morning when you wake up, it's worse. Mm. And you know, people call it hangxiety, you know, like your hangover, it gives you anxiety. But the reality is you're not fixing your problem. You're not quote unquote relaxing thanks to the booze. You're literally just numbing it away and turning a blind eye to a fire in your life that if you were to face, you would feel that ease. You would feel that relaxation and that peace. If you were to face whatever's causing this issue, you can't drink your debt away. You can't drink your marital issues away. Those get worse when you keep numbing them. But that's a muscle that when you keep doing that for long enough, you know, the muscle gets weak. And now you don't know how to deal with your debt. You don't know how to properly deal with your spouse because you never built the muscle to handle stress. You crumble every time it hits you. And I think everything you've just been listing it really puts the spotlight on what I was saying about altruism. Mm-hmm. I'll help you move. 
I'll help you do this. I'll help you. Yes, 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 yes. What? Say no. Have a boundary. Have a priority. You know, have that, that inner compass we were speaking about earlier. I think the lack of that guidance and the ability to confront someone, because there is a small degree of confrontation when you mm-hmm. say no. Yes. And men can't do it. But that with masculinity, with testosterone, with these things, you're more comfortable and you're not an asshole. But like, mm-hmm. no, I can't help you, man. I'm going out with my kids. Mm-hmm. Well, what the, hey, you asked for help. <laughs> like, I cannot help you. I got your mm-hmm. back. I'm your friend. But in this moment, I've got something else that's a higher priority. And that's cool. And it's okay. And you'll mm-hmm. learn. People are like, all right. And they move on. It's not as big a deal to them as you make it out to be in your head. 100%. It, you, you mentioning that, it, I can just hear guys thinking, it's really hard for me to say no to people because I don't want to let people down. And I want, I want people to think highly of me. Well, just notice you might be gripped by the fear of the opinion of men, right? You're just too, you care too much about what other people think about you. So the way that you start to encroach on that fear, the way you start to defeat that anxiety is by, this is something I started doing about five years ago. I always check in with myself and I only do things out of duty. I don't do things out of obligation. So like if, if somebody asks me out for coffee, I check and I go, like, am I going to be doing this out of duty or out of obligation? Like by duty, I mean, because I feel like it's honorable and something I've previously committed to do. Mm-hmm. If it, if it's, if it's out of obligation, I don't go to, I, I don't go to coffee. I don't go to coffee with people out of obligation because I feel bad for them. It's not a pity hangout. I don't do those. I used to think about it this way. You don't want your wife to have sex with you out of obligation. You want her to have sex with you because she wants to. Yep. <laughs> so there's a big difference, right? So I only, I do things because I want to do them or because I feel like it's my duty. And that's kind of how I make my decisions, right? Um, even if it causes a bit of a confrontation, I'm sticking to my core value, right? So another, here's an, another really good one that I use a lot to, by the way, you guys, your listeners should know, I used to wrestle with panic attacks and I, and periodically you know, I'll have bouts with anxiety, but I know what to do with it now. You know, my, my relationship with it has changed and that changes everything. One of the things I do, um, anxious people constantly visualize worst case scenario outcomes. The, the prefrontal cortex behind your forehead is constantly visualizing worst case scenarios. Okay. And that immediately triggers your nervous system and it, 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 it triggers the stress system. Uh, the, the way you might see this, like if you've ever had a nightmare, you're, you wake up in a, in a fright because you feel like it was true and you're, you're, you're feeling physical symptoms, you know, well, what's going on there? You visualize something in your, in your dream and it triggered physiological responses, but it wasn't reality. Mm-hmm. It was just a dream about being chased by a dinosaur, right? But it, you literally have distressing physical symptoms. So the tip is knowing that I have a tendency to visualize worst case scenario outcomes. What nobody does is they don't take time to sit down with a pen and paper or just to think out loud and say, what's the best case scenario outcome here? If I go on this podcast with Zach today, what's the best case scenario outcome? Hmm, maybe we connect and maybe I make a new friend. Maybe we connect and we network and we build our platform. Maybe like I gain a brother that I never had. You know, maybe he inspires me and he gets me thinking about something I hadn't thought about, right? And the list goes on and start to visual. If you ask yourself crap questions, you'll get crap answers. 
If he asks good questions, what's the best case scenario? I'm going to take this girl on a date. What's the best case scenario? Maybe she likes me, man. Maybe she actually digs me, you know? And, but we don't do that. No, no, it's much easier. It's much more natural to visualize worst case scenario. So I try to help my clients take the time to flip the script a little bit, okay? And that's like a mental, mental technique. Um, another big one, bro. People, they know this, but they don't know this. If you will just take exercise seriously, if, I, if you will hit the cardio or lift some weights, do something that pushes you, it will help your anxiety levels. It will help regulate the system. It's not a cure-all. There's no silver bullet, but this is a piece to the puzzle that most dudes, they know, but they don't really do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's crazy. Man. Most people would rather just take a pill. Pills don't cure anxiety. They just mask symptoms. Yep. I was just thinking that, man, when, when you were talking about lifting or, or exercise at all, that, that really hit. So zero five this morning, my son and I were getting after it. I was explaining to somebody, you know, my therapy is inside FOE. We have weekly calls, sitting down and talking to 30 plus men, swapping notes, whatever the topic is, we do that. Sitting down speaking to you right now. This is gets it out of my soul. I need this. When I work out, I need that. When I write, I need that. I have built systems that allow me to take all the things that build up. I mean, we're, we're active men. We're doing a lot of things. And a lot of men want to be active men. They want to have a lot to do in their life because they just have so much they want to achieve. And achievement's good. But if you don't have a system that's sustainable to doing those things, you're going to get what you're saying where you're, you're crippled because that, that motivation turns into anxiety. All these things I want to do. But now I'm thinking about all of them. I'm not channeling my, my outlets to get rid of the pressure that builds because I want to do so much. And now I can't make a decision. Mm -hmm. And so what started out as a good goal now literally broke you. And now you're turning to the booze. You know, like you said, taking the pill. Again, pulling the, fire, the batteries out of the fire detector. Mm -hmm. You want to just, you want to quiet everything and run away. And you can't mm -hmm. run away. We need men who are willing to lean in. Men who are willing to double down. They're going to act more. And you know, mm -hmm. for me, it, it's the writing, the lifting, and the speaking. That is why I can do a million things and not fall apart. Because when that pressure builds, it starts to go down. I let it out before it ever hits the eruption point. Be it speaking to my spouse, speaking to men like yourself, going to the men in the FOE, writing on the blog. That is, you know, quote unquote, therapy for me. Mm -hmm. That is my way of saying, like, I can do, the pressure will never overcome me because I keep letting it out. I just keep venting it before it's an issue. And mm -hmm. I think, especially with exercise, you are hitting the nail on the head that these men have no release. And again, I can just picture that spring tightening and tightening and they're going to the job and now the kids practice and now their wife is mad. And at no point are they taking care of themselves and just saying, hey, I can cool down. Let's let all this off. And mm -hmm. you're big on the outdoors and whatnot. You know, not just the hiking, but also just going out. We were speaking about that uh, before we went on. You know, to me, that's a great start. Just yes. go for a walk without your phone in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Or like you, you go for a walk and record a video, you know, <laughs> but depending on what they're doing, you know, just get away from the, the chatter, allow yourself the, the decency and the self-respect to make yourself a priority. You need mm -hmm. a half an hour walk, dude, go outside, get some sun. You will, you will feel so much better. It will feel like that pill you're taking. Mm -hmm. It'll feel like that shot of whiskey. You'll get that sense of euphoria. And I'm not sure the, the chemical breakdown there, and you might be able to help me out with that a little bit. But you come back from when I came up, uh, I work out my basement. When mm -hmm. I came upstairs, I was like, I feel so good. I'm ready to take on today. Mm -hmm. After this phone call, I'll do my, my fist bump and I'll end this, you know, get it packaged up and ready to release to the world. 
but it, it's out of me. I'm feeling good. And then I'll just carry on my day like that until I do the next good thing that honestly it's productive, but it brings me joy. That's awesome. As you're talking, man, it makes me think, uh, here's another a tip. Um, I started noticing, I just was always feeling busy, like just hurried, just rushed from task to task. And, you know, as you grow as a man, you take on more responsibility, calculated responsibility, you're going to feel that tension. So I would just encourage you guys start to slow down a little bit. Like that, this is going to sound funny, actually drive the speed limit. Um, when you walk slow, intentionally slow your pace down, intentionally downshift in your mind. Like I'm purposefully slowing down, right? Um, it's that there's, there's actually a movement called the slowing movement and it's about eliminating hurry and embracing the moment, but you have to intentionally do this stuff. Like I will tell you guys, I'm holding up my phone now. It's really difficult for the brain while it's being stimulated on your phone, email, social, you name it, to, to be stimulated and then to jump into another task. Your brain's running real hard. So you actually have to take uh, intentional steps to slow the brain down. And you start with the body, slow your breathing down in the nose, out the mouth. Uh, slow your walking down, slow your driving down, even slowing the cadence of your speech. Because uh, you're not just a brain, you're a bot. Your brain is housed in the body. Mm -hmm. The mind and brain are housed in the body. What you do with the body dramatically affects the brain and mind. They're not separate, they're connected. So I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm gonna challenge you guys for the next 72 hours, actually drive the speed limit or five miles under, walk slower, breathe slower to pick, you know, um, transitioning from task to task. Like before, Zach, before I got on with you, I made sure for an hour before I'm not on social. I'm not stimulating my brain. I'm trying to slow down so I can be present man. zeroed in with you. But that that's an intentional process. There's some wicked synchronicity going on here. This is the second time you did it. Yesterday I was driving with my son. We're going to the field to get some hitting in for baseball. And we were behind a car that was going slow. And so we're from originally Rhode Island. We Six months ago, we all actually recently hit our six-month anniversary here living in North Carolina. Things are slower, man. The rate, the speed here, the culture, everything's slower. Mm -hmm. And so we're cruising and my son's like, why don't you pass him? I was like, bud, that's the northerner in us. We're always in a rush. I was like, we're just going to chill. I was like, I'm enjoying your company. There's no need for me to expedite as efficiently as possible A to B. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I can take my time from A to B. And that was right. just yesterday. And so to hear you say that, not only am I like, all right, I'm doing something right, you know, with this driving slower, but I'm, I'm understanding a little bit more clearly why my brain's going there, why I want to relax and take my time. Because again, like yourself, my phone is always going off. My brain, if I allowed it to, would be redlining from opening the eyes in the morning until going to bed. And mm -hmm. that's how you burn out. That's how you get stressed out. But by being intentional, you know, I, I'll leave my phone behind when I go for a walk later today. I don't want to, I don't need to be plugged in all the time. You know, you can reach me when not when you can reach me and right now you can't because I'm outside mm -hmm. as men we need that whether it's in the gym and that's your alone time in your therapy whether that's writing you need to slow things down because we're all going to the same place which is into the dirt and why are we in a rush to get there mm -hmm. why be as efficient and effective as possible to go through a to b take your time mm -hmm. and enjoy the process you know some people are like oh, I wish I could just teleport myself there why 
then we would miss this whole conversation on the car ride. You know, if, if I'm like, hey, I just want to sit down, say everything you have to say, let's get off. That's not a relationship being formed here. We're taking our time listening, you know, sh- shifting a little bit. You know, some of these things we've spoken about weren't planned. But if I was constantly, here's your five bullet points, stick to that so we can get this done as quickly as possible. I wouldn't really know the real you and the product to those listening wouldn't be as effective because it takes time to build something that's sustainable. It takes time, you know, to build a, a strong body, to get yourself out of debt, to improve your know, relationship with your family. You don't snap your finger and it's over. You take mm-hmm. your time, you put the reps in. Instead of trying to have a Keurig relationship, a Keurig body, you've got a nice big pot that's sustainable. You can fill multiple cups, you know, and I think that goes back to the process versus product-focused actions. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an adjustment, man. I mean, to be, to slow down is countercultural. Because your boss, you, you, know, you work for corporate America, your boss wants to pump you for everything you've got. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're a provider, you're trying to really put food on the table, you're grinding. And that's so like hustle culture is very celebrated right now. But as a clinician, I deal with the back end of hustle culture where people come to see me because they're fried and burnt out. And they start dropping balls because hustle culture is a half truth. Yes, we should be men that grind. We should be men that push through adversity. We should be kind, the kind of men that don't quit when it gets hard. But at the same time, we should be calculated men, comprehensive men that know when to let our foot off the gas, that know when to sleep, that know when to hydrate, that know when to say no to technology, that and not being mastered by technology. We have very poor technology hygiene that contributes massively, massively to anxiety. Most people turn on the tube to check out, not realizing the tube stimulates the brain. The screen, certain screens are, you know, blue, blue light, stuff like that. Definitely really bad for brain stimulation, but we do it, you know, and it just becomes a normal thing. So like, it's just rethinking this idea of like, yeah, I, I respect the hustle, the hustle and bustle, but at the same time, that's a half truth, man. Cause your wife mm-hmm. needs present. She doesn't need you. My, my wife actually, just to be vulnerable, my wife sat me down a couple of weeks ago and, and she wrote out some notes. She's like, I need to talk to you. And so we sat down, she said, I, I'm noticing that when you're you lately, you, when you're around, you're not here, you're not present. And I, and quite honestly, I'm feeling a little bit taken for granted. And I'm 13 years in, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, and she knows I love her. It's just like sometimes we don't see our blind spots, man. And in that moment, I've learned to be teachable and go, you know what, babe? I'm gonna shift that. What do I gotta do to rectify? You know, but I just got caught in the busy. Yep. The hustle. It's easy. It's easy. I fall into the same trap, man. You know, it's it's very easy to slide there because we're workers. We we value work, we enjoy work. You know, but there's a time, it, my wife, her name's Jackie. We had the same discussion. She's like, every time I talk to you, I feel like you're writing a blog post in your head because you, mm. she'll talk and I'm kind of just, I'm there, but I'm, what do I need to do? What's the next thing I can build? Oh, who would be a good guest? I am thinking those things while she, and I'm like, oh, wow, you're right. And to, to your point, you know, with the discussion you had with your lady, good on her for saying it. And I said exactly that to Jackie. I was like, I appreciate you bringing that up. I was like, I didn't, this is nothing to do with you. This is right. me. This is a me thing. This is a me issue. You know, I fell into this is because I, I want to produce. I want to create. I want to build, you know, and the best present we can give our kids isn't something we can buy with money. It's mm-hmm. the presence we can give them. 
It's us being an involved father, an involved husband who gives them the time of day makes them a higher priority than a podcast or a blog or, or whatever is in our head at the time. You know, be able to compartmentalize that. It's as important that you put your phone down and go for that walk. It's just as important that you turn that off in your head and you're in there in that process of a discussion with your spouse, because mm -hmm. that's what keeps that thing going. We talk about sustainability, you know, and honestly, I think that's something that the most productive of men will need that audit periodically. You can be squared away in all fronts. It's easy to slip back. That's one of the biggest things that I have an issue with. At least I slip into work mode frequently. Yeah, yeah man. But here's the beautiful thing. Progress, not perfection, right? Yeah, I just wrote that today. <laughs> so I'm all about that phrase. <laughs> right? I mean, can we take that to heart? Like, I can, I can be making progress and not be perfect. I can be gaining ground and not be, and not be that perfect ideal that I think I should be, man. I, I have a lot more grace for myself now than I ever used to, man. Uh, and for my friends and for my clients, like there's, 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 a, there's grace to be the kind of man that is hungry for growth and yet taking his time, <laughs> Yep. you know? So Jonathan, this has been an incredible episode. You know, this conversation, just getting to know you better. It's been awesome. I've got links to your Instagram. I've got links to your website and I'll get, I'll drop a link uh, to your course as well. Is there anything else you want to leave those who tuned in with and anything else that we missed that you wanted to cover? You know, the only thing I would say, bro, is every, every man is living for something. That doesn't mean he knows what he's living for. Everybody's living for something. So, you know, some, if we pull back the curtain as a clinician, I get to hear people's secrets like on a daily basis. I get to meet with, soccer moms and CEOs and influencers and you name it. And I get to hear their secrets and what, what it's very common, what, what is universal to us, but men or women is this, is this deep desire and longing to matter and to be significant. And one of the things that I, that I see is that the hunger for validation and to be significant and to matter is so strong. It's so strong in us that oftentimes we will present ourselves as better than we are to other people in order to garner their acceptance. But what ends up happening is we are fake. We're so hungry for validation to be significant that we present a fake version of ourselves to the world. And here's the problem. You can't love a fake individual because you don't really know them. You have to, in order to be loved, you have to be known. So I would just urge the guys listening or your, your, your audience, like, what does it mean for you to take off some of those masks uh, and to acknowledge that you do have a deep desire to be wanted, known, to be significant, to have status, that that's universal as a human? What, what would it look like for you to take off some of those masks, to, to present yourself, all your scars, all your junk? to at least one other person, man, one other person, and just get started being known. Because I'll tell you what, man, like, I don't know about you, bro, but I just want to be known and accepted for who I am. You know, um, I don't want to have to put on a show. I don't, I don't, that's too exhausting. I've tried that stuff, you know, <laughs> we slide into it accidentally, because that, 
that need is so strong within us. So that's the last thing I'd say, man, like, what would it look like for you to take, take off the mask and to be known? And you got to start somewhere. Um, so as I'm talking, maybe someone's coming to your mind that you could just go get real with. Well, just don't make excuses. Don't wait too long. Just go get it done. That's well said. Earlier, you had said that beauty is on the other side of fear. Mm-hmm. And when you allow yourself to show the real you, the beauty that comes is people can love the real you. And you know the difference. You know if they love the fake you, because that's not genuine connection. They love who you've created, mm-hmm. you know, who you think you're supposed to be. But when you are who you are and they love that person, you truly feel it. Like, no, they love me. They right. connect with me. They appreciate me. And that will fill you with more pride and just a sense of purpose. Because now again, back to not wanting to be the weakest link. You're like, that, I don't want to let them down. They love me for me. I'm going to be a better version of me so they can love that guy too. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's sort of this, this cycle of just continuing to propel you forward. It's, it's an incredible thing. But again, all the links to Jonathan's content is below. Dive onto that, connect, especially if you've enjoyed it. You know, he's got a lot of work going. Uh, I primarily found you through Instagram mm-hmm. and a lot of your content on there, man, I've been digging. And so, brother, it was great meeting you. It was great talking to you. I appreciate you giving me your time to come on here. I know you're a busy individual and a family man. So just thank you again for coming on. I'm honored, man. I appreciate you, bro. And um, props to what you're doing. Uh, keep barreling forward. Yeah, man. Got to keep it rolling. For everybody that tuned in, this has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Stay well. You've just finished another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. Now go out and apply what you've learned. And be sure to follow Zach on Twitter and Instagram at Zach Small underscore. Also, be sure to check out Zach's work at thefamilyalpha.com and his private men's community, thefraternityofexcellence.com.